Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. Read through the story of Rahab this morning. So would you open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 11? Uh, We're going to read verses 30 and 31 together. And would you stand with me, excuse me, as we read these two verses together? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Lord, we open up our minds and our hearts and our souls and our ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Thank you that you're with us in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, Paul had opened up this discussion about God's deliverance, that faith is trusting in God's deliverance, and he walked us through the story of the great exodus out of Egypt and into the desert, going through the Red Sea and beginning this journey of 40 years in which the Israelites wandered through the desert. Well, we are skipping the entirety of those 40 years and landing on the other side of the desert where they are exiting out of the desert and going into the promised land. And this morning I have titled my message, Faith is Action. Faith is Action. And just like they... uh, As they exited out of Egypt, the Israelite nation and the Lord led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. Just before they get into Jericho, they also walk through dry ground through the river before Jericho as a kind of opening and closing chapter of the 40 years in the desert. And what's interesting in our passage in Hebrews where it says... It continues on from the the Lord led the people through the Red Sea on dry land. And then as we read this morning, by faith, the the walls of Jericho fell. And then it goes on by faith, the prostitute Rahab hid the spies. What's interesting is actually those, those stories are not in the correct order. It's actually before the walls fell, there's a significant person that played a massive part into the faithfulness and plan of God for the Israelite nation that we're going to talk about this morning primarily. So this promised land, the father of all nations received this promise from the Lord that him and his descendants are going into the promised land. So we are now here at the moment where this promise, generations and generations and generations ago, is finally coming to fulfillment as the Israelite nation is about to go into the promised land through the city of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. You know this one? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho when the walls came tumbling down. Right? Here we are in this moment. And it's a peculiar way that this moment takes place. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories of God's faithfulness, his goodness, and his redemption in a very, very unlikely character. And so I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 2. 
We're going back to Joshua chapter 2, and I'm going to read through this. Would you just enjoy this beautiful story of God's goodness in all of it? So Joshua, who is the commander of Israel now, Moses has passed away. Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim to go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went, and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land, to get information, tactical information, so their army could take over is what the king was afraid of. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, it was time to close the city gate, and the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, she says. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit to the spies, excuse me, of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof. And she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that you, excuse me, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, when you completely destroyed them. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Verse 14 the men assured her, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was a part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. And the men said to her, this oath you made to us, uh, swear, we will not be bind to, binding to us unless when you enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into the house. If anyone goes outside the house into the streets, his blood will be on his own head. We are not responsible. As for anyone who is in the house, his blood will be on our head, on our hands. But if you tell that what we are doing, we will be released of this oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. And so she sent them on their way, and they departed. At the end of the chapter, it says, when the spies returned back to Joshua, they respond to him, and it says, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. What a story. God is about to give over fully his promise to the Israelite nation. 
Generations have been waiting and wandering for so long, and the Lord is about to bless them with his promise, and he does so through a faithful fib? Like a lie? <laughs> the Lord uses a fib from a person to bring about his promises into fulfillment? I think this story is wild. Like, this one shakes my theology a little bit at times. And I'm like, wait, is that okay? Are we allowed to do that? But here's Rahab. Now, let's talk quickly a bit about Rahab. So she lives in Jericho. She is from the land of Canaan. She is a Canaanite. The Canaanites are evil people, enemies of Israel, wicked people. Not only is she a Canaanite pagan, she is introduced as a prostitute, as a harlot. And in rabbinic texts and Hebrew texts that the concept of, of Rahab's life wasn't just that of a, a prostitute harlot, but it was more like an innkeeper, like a brothel, where men would come to her place. And so these Canaanite, pagan, evil, adulterers, wicked people, this is what Deuteronomy says about the Canaanites. It says in Deuteronomy 20, When they enter into the occupied promised land and in the cities and the nations the Lord your God has given you as your inheritance, completely destroy them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites. It says also in Deuteronomy 7, When the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. There's some rules here that the Lord has laid out against the Canaanites, right? And according to Scripture, there's these strikes against Rahab. Evil, pagan, Canaanite, prostitute woman. And the Israelites were really God's instrument of judgment on them to rid them of the earth because of their sin. And so Joshua sends in the spies. And the spies land at Rahab's place, which again is, is probably a reputation well known that this is where you go to be shady and to not be seen. And so they go to Rahab's place. But, of course, the king hears word, and so he sends spies to this place that would have had a reputation. And they ask Rahab about the spies, and she says, they were here. So she's telling the truth. It's like a half-truth, right? You know those half-truths where it's like you say like, what is actually true, but you kind of twist it a little bit? And this is what she does. And she says, oh, they were here, but they've left. And at the time, they hadn't left. And so she commits a couple more strikes. She lies. Really, she commits treason because the king is looking for these two people and afraid of what may happen to his country. And she hid these men and lied to the officials and sent them on their way. So let's get this straight, okay? A lying, evil, pagan, enemy, prostitute God uses to fulfill his will and his purpose and to demonstrate his glory on this earth. And I think, okay, that, that's, a, that's a lot of theological confusion, okay? A lot coming at me in one moment there and in one story. And it reminds me that God in his infinite wisdom, he chooses to work through people that we may believe have nothing to offer. 
God chooses to work through those people. The fact is God can use whoever and whatever necessary to accomplish his will. Amen? He can use a harlot. He can use a murderer. He can use a blind man. He can use a donkey. And he can use me. And he can use you. Amen? God uses who he choose, chooses to use, the most obscure people he chooses to use. Now, I'm not encouraging lying by any means, shape, or form. Please don't read between the lines there, okay? But I am stating that God's will is greater than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. So Rahab, <laughs> I love this. Rahab went, and, and bear with me with this rhyme here. Rahab went from the house of shame to the hall of fame. Right? In the inn that she had, the house of shame, the reputation that was probably very terrible and poor, to Hebrews 11, to the hall of fame. Rahab went through. I also want to talk about a great fear. She mentions it, excuse me, the author mentions it, that Rahab spoke of it multiple times in this chapter. That there was great fear because of the people of Israel. She replies to the spies that everyone in their city is frightened because of the Israels. And she goes on to say, we know the story. We've heard the stories of the Red Sea. That's 40 years earlier than when she mentions it. And I doubt Rahab is over 40. That's a personal one on that one. I don't have proof on that, but I'm pretty sure she's under 40. So she's only heard the stories. We've heard the stories of you attacking the Amorites. She's heard the stories, and so there is fear. It says, a great fear of you has fallen on us. She says, we're melting in fear. They've heard these stories. And Rahab knows Nothing about God. She's, she was raised in a pagan country. She wasn't raised with the teachings, with the scripture, none of it. And yet she has heard of the power of their Lord. She says, I know the stories. I've heard the miracles, and the hearts of the people are melting. Rahab not only heard the stories, but she knows of the power. And she became to believe in that power. Oh, it's a unique story. It's not just a story about a pagan prostitute. It's a story about a pagan prostitute, Rahab, that had belief in God more than those who belonged to God. It was 40 years the Israelites wandered because of their lack of faith. And they had that teaching. They were raised in it and taught in it and memorized it over and over the, the law. And here is Rahab in a country far away, a pagan country, not knowing the Lord, but believing in the power because of what she has heard. And so the Lord made a greater impression on Rahab than many of the people of Israel. Rahab had everything stacked against her, but she had one redeeming factor, her faith. She had a faith. She actually says in verse 11, I love this, and we, we went through this verse this morning in prayer. 
Rahab says the words, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Like she's heard of the fact that there's, there's this God of heaven above and earth below. Again, no training in it. And she actually uses the word, if you look into the Hebrew original text of it, she uses the word Yahweh, which is the covenant word of the Lord, not the Canaanite word of the Lord. The covenant name of God, she uses Yahweh. Someone who never saw his power. Never saw the power of the plagues. Someone who never saw the miracle of the Red Sea, but she's heard about it. Never saw the glory cloud or the pillar of fire. Never saw or tasted the manna. And yet Rahab lived by faith, not by sight. She lived by faith. But Rahab's faith was an active faith. She had an active faith. Why I've titled this morning's message, Faith is Action, because of the action that she had to live out following. So the spies, she has this conversation with the spies. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Like even before it happened, she had the faith to trust and know that God has already given the land of Canaan to the Israelite nation. What faith this young lady had. And so she has this conversation with the spies, and they promise her that they would spare her life. Now, the men agreed, but there were two things that she must do, right? Two things that she must commit to. First is to tie the scarlet uh, rope out the window, the cord hanging from her window. And secondly, she must have her family there with her when the war breaks out. True faith. True faith must always be accompanied by follow-through. It must. Those who have faith will produce actions that go along with, consistent with, what they believe. And I said this from the very beginning, and this is kind of the foundation of our entire summer series. Your behavior is a reflection of your belief. So true faith is to be followed up with action and follow through. In his letter, James, in his epistle, he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. And then he continues on with a few examples. And wouldn't you know, his last example, you know who it's about? Take a guess. Rahab. He says, in the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. House of shame, the Hall of Fame, Rahab, because of her action and her faith. She strung the red scarlet cord from her window. She made sure her family was in place in her home. And the spies made a promise to her. And they made a line that I, oh, I love this line. They said, our lives for your lives. And they make this oath to her. Our lives for your lives. And I'm going to invite the band to come on up here.
After the spies left, right, she sent them off and they hid for three days. So they went and they hid until the pursuers were not pursuing them anymore. Then they returned to the camp to see Joshua and the nation. And they shared the news and they stayed there for a few days. And then the Israelites, they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground like I had mentioned. The entrance and the exit of the desert is through dry ground. They crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. Once they crossed, they stayed there for three more days, resting, and they built an altar to worship the Lord. Joshua had then had all the, circumcised, or all the men circumcised as time was required for healing to follow that, so they rested and they stayed. Joshua then reinstituted the Passover meal, and then manna from heaven ceased. So there was some time that took place from when these spies promised Rahab, our lives for your lives, to go through, there was some time that took place until they returned. There wasn't a deadline given. There was just a promise. They gave her their word. Our lives for your lives. And it makes me think, this is what I get from this passage. That, that Joshua didn't send them in for tactical information. The Lord did not send the two spies into Jericho for tactical information because the offense that God uses, his tactical offense in, in destroying Jericho wasn't really that good of a strategy in regards of war strategy because there wasn't much for ammunition. <laughs> what did they do? They marched. Like that was God's plan. They marched around the city wall. They, they, they marched for seven days, they did a march and then they stopped and they did a march and stopped until finally the seventh day, they marched multiple times, blowing their trumpets and screaming and the walls came tumbling down. So I don't think it was much for tactical information on strategy on how to take Jericho down. I don't think that's why the Lord sent the spies there. I think the Lord sent the spies there to retrieve Rahab and to make a promise with her that they are going to come back and return and receive her. Because even where she is at, she's in the wall. That's where she lives. And so they told Rahab to bring her family to her home in the wall, which God is going to bring tumbling down. It's the most dangerous place to bring people. <laughs> God is proving his power in this story over and over and over again. And she is faithful to bring her family there. She's faithful to tie up that cord. And God protects them and keeps them. And it makes me think, since God did not send those spies for tactical information, but to make a promise, to make an oath to a person, it reminds me of he who sent his son as well to this earth to make a promise and to make an oath. Jesus didn't come for tactical information, but he came to make a promise and we too don't know the timeline in which he is going to come again and return. And there is some faith that we need to live out and our actions need to match the fact of our faith that we are to stay consistent to in our belief until he returns. And there will be a time of war, of spiritual war, that the Lord is going to reign over and win and he has called us to an action-orientated faith in anticipation for his return. God sees her faith and he saves her. After the fall of Jericho, 
Rahab lived with the Israelite nation. This is the redemption part. I love this. And we're going to finish with this. She lived with the people of Israel. Not only did she just live with them, she was a part of the special lineage of Jesus. Her great-great-grandson is King David. King David is the great-great-grandson of Rahab. God didn't change Rahab before he used her. God used her, and she was changed. She was still a prostitute when God used her. She was still a pagan who hadn't turned her life around. And I think, okay, in our lives, oh, so often we think I have to be good and I have to do good and I have to be right and then God will use me and then I will receive God's love. And the truth is, family, it's God's love that changes us, not the thing that we try to change so we can receive it. Amen? Would you stand with me? A few times still in the New Testament, when the authors describe Rahab, they, they use the title prostitute still. And we think, well, why do they still use the title prostitute? And I find it interesting that man may call Rahab by title, but God calls her by name. God knows her by name. And he has redeemed her. And Isaiah 43 says, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Jesus, we thank you that our lives are bought by a price. Jesus, you say the words, my life for their lives. You made that same promise, that same oath. And as we who call upon your name would respond in obedience to your promise and oath, we can hold certainty and assurance in our hearts that you once again are going to return and to retrieve us and to save us. We thank you for that. And so this morning we proclaim your glory and your goodness and we sing about your love together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.